Hark the bardic paladin Who sings and plays again He tells the tales of glory And weaves a magic story He'll join you at your table And ask you to share a fable Heroes of humble origin Villains who must be fought again No matter their skill or prowess The people in life are countless so we pray you heed our request. Enjoy this tale of sidekicks and sidequests. Episode 94 Ashamel and the Looking Glass. Welcome to Sidekicks and Sidequests the Dungeons & Dragons podcast that helps to put humans back into humanity and breathe life into your campaign NPCs with backstory and bravado. That's right, we're building a world, one character at a time. I am your host, Kurt Krenwelge, the Bardic Paladin, and I'll be joining Bobby Angel's table in the Levitating Platter. <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome to another exciting episode of Sidekicks and Sidequests, the best unofficial Dungeons & Dragons podcast in my humbly biased opinion. Before I introduce my guests, I'd like to go ahead and give a shout out to my first sponsor, Plus One EXP. Tony Vicinda is the mastermind behind this mastercraft of beard balms, game design, and community building. He's got all the beard balms named after all the basic stats from D&D, so get a can, apply it to your face, and smell the sweet aroma and the sweet victory that comes along with increased strength, dexterity, charisma, and more. Beards and Beyond is the indie RPG that helped to launch this brand, but Tony's collaborated and developed several other projects, including Repugnant, High Toaster, Down We Go, Through the Void, Vamp Nugula, and Brand Standing. If you support Plus One EXP, either by buying something on their website or going to tonyplusone.itch.io, it all helps funnel into the Plus One Forward program, which seeks to support additional indie tabletop content creators to continue making awesome stuff. I would highly encourage you to follow Tony and Plus One EXP on all the socials, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch, in order to keep up with all the various projects that are being worked on, as well as upcoming interviews, one-shots, and actual plays of some of these amazing indie TTRPGs. If you don't mind, when you go to PlusOneExp.com, use my affiliate code Randolph when you're buying a beard balm, or a beard RPG in order to get some savings on your purchase at no extra cost to you. Again, that code's Randolph at checkout on the website plus1exp.com. All right. Well, without further ado, I'd like to go ahead and introduce my mystery contestant for this evening. So hello, kind traveler. Would you care to introduce yourself? Tell us who it is that you are and what is it that you do? What's up, buddy? So my name is Bobby Angel. I am a husband and father. I'm an author, speaker, traveler of sorts as well as a hobbit homebody that loves not wearing shoes ever yeah it's just uh fun to be here man we're also both big nerds if i'm not mistaken too you and i would have many a talk on uh marvel properties and such yeah yeah i mean i i remember like picking up comics way back in the day and just the smell of them and the smell of like comic book stores and growing up with the 1990s x-men cartoon which is like coming back in some shape or form. I don't know. I'm a bit of a purist, so I have <laughs> reservations. But And growing up, too, with the uh, animated Batman series of the 90s, God rest Kevin Conroy, may he rest in peace. 
it just was a great time and so to watch like yeah all these comic book movies come to fruition to get treated to get the big screen treatment also has been wonderful so yeah we, we've nerded out with many conversations well of course the dead giveaway in the beginning as far as this being a dungeons and dragons podcast and leading into the question of do you currently or have you ever played dungeons and dragons before no the the opportunity never presented itself I, oh. I was thinking about it before um we went live i didn't grow up with a whole lot of friends as sad as that sounds i didn't grow up with a whole lot of like guy friends there just weren't like any on our block and i hmm. had a lot of like acquaintances at school and high school even but i wouldn't say it wasn't until college that i actually really developed some real authentic friendships and friends with all sorts of different groups like athletes goths artists like up and down but i never had anyone in my life that played dungeons and dragons so honestly i never played because it was never the board was never put in front of me i didn't really like learn about it till yeah like later in life and even then it was just was kind of through illusions and comments here and there so i have no moral qualm against it i just literally have never had anyone to play with I was going to say, now that you kind of maybe have more of an idea of what it is now, do you think it's something that would interest you? Granted, if you had the time and the ability to do so? Yeah, I think I would definitely uh, be open to it. Uh, I love like board games. Our daughter loves board games. I would play Risk and Axis and Allies, and that would be like five to seven hours with <laughs> you know a group of dudes and the Braveheart soundtrack on and play late into the night. So yeah, it really it's time because we have four crazy wonderful kids yeah time's a commodity for sure with the namesake of this show being sidekicks and side quests we like to ask who has been one of your favorite sidekicks whether it's been someone from an rpg maybe a video game film television history etc and why has this person been your favorite sidekick yeah so along with comics i've loved video games i mean i was my uncle let us borrow a super nintendo when i was in second or third grade and we never gave it back and so from the super nintendo to n64 to the playstations to i have grown up with console games and seeing just the art form develop and take off and you talk about like npcs and and side kicks and and side quests i'm all about it and out of the latest console generations, I really love the Bioshock series, just the narratives, the gameplay of everything. Bioshock mm -hmm. Infinite has a sidekick, we'll call her, called Elizabeth, mm -hmm. and is just super handy in a firefight. She's not annoying or obnoxious. She's mm -hmm. just like always throws the ammo you need when you need it. But her character is very developed and very like big plot twists come uh, when you get to the end of the game and beyond with her character. Did you have an opportunity to ever play the Burial at Sea DLCs? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, they were fun. And they really, man, I, don't you love when, when the title of the game is like the reveal, but you don't realize it? Like Coco, you don't realize like the movie, like the Pixar movie Coco, like it's all about Coco. And you're like, and at the very end of the movie, it dawns on you. You're like, what? And Bioshock Infinite the same way. Yeah, and just like Rapture, the whole world there and, and the philosophy of Ayn Rand to be developed into a video game that's like a dystopia underwater. Mm -hmm. It's just that world was a blast. Well, I think of like sidekicks. She just comes to mind for some reason. Did you say NPC as well, though? Yeah, I mean, sidekick slash NPC. So maybe because, if there was another I had another I had another close second when that sure. was the severed head in God of War. 
Oh, okay. I've not had an opportunity to play these, so I understand he's a Norse deity of some sort that got imprisoned in a tree. I think his name is Mimir. Mm. And, like, the voice actor just nails it, and this they take this head with them. You meet him, like, a third of the way into the game, and the entire rest of the game, he's strapped on Kratos' belt. And just, I don't know, the commentary, the stories, the jokes, like the severed head, you grow to, you go kind of attached to him. Well, I just recently had an opportunity to interview Dr. Paul Guestwicky recently, and so he brought up more. And then I was listening to uh, the episode for Matthew J. Hansen from Sneak Attack Press, who also mentioned Mort as a favorite NPC as well. So kind of this uh, motif of the comical sidekick that is a severed head seems to be pretty popular and beloved, perhaps. Yeah, you grow attached to him. Now, I haven't, I have not played yet the newest God of War, the Ragnarok one. I'm going to wait. I'm a patient guy. I'll wait till the price drops. And so I hope, I think he's back. I hope he's back. I watched some lore videos on YouTube just because I was like, look, I've never played any of the God of War games because I never grew up with a PlayStation. So I don't know what any of this story is. And so I watched a really deep dive video kind of covering his Greek story and then now him transitioning to this norse story and it's kind of interesting to see how they play with it it's very dnd-esque sort of an idea of like oh what if someone was a beloved chosen warrior of a god but then discovered he was betrayed and then was like okay i'm gonna make it my mission to level up and then just go slay a bunch of the uh, pantheon of my realm the music's incredible the latest games too that's a rabbit hole we don't we won't go down but like yeah just the music's incredible um and you mentioned side quest yeah, what's been a particular favorite one? What comes to mind is the second Red Dead Redemption game. Mm. That game's a masterpiece. If I only had one game ever to replay, mm. I think that would be it. Just the open world is so, it's something different every single time. I've never time. beaten it. I'm still stuck just trying to be like, all right, let me just go ahead and take care of all the hunting stuff. And even that in and of itself is like endless. It's like, oh, I'll never find these animals. And meanwhile, I'm being waylaid by different gangs or bounty right. hunters or whoever else. But you'll, you'll ride across the same field five times and you will never get the same five interactions, whether it's bandits, whether it's the animals, whether it's someone that needs help, someone that says they need help, but they're actually trying to like stab you. The, the world is so, so open and vast. And so after the story ends, there's a very long epilogue to the game, like very long. And at like the last mission is you go and hunt down the gang leader and the guy that really corrupted him like once and for all Micah. yeah and yeah micah and <laughs> spo spoiler alert the guy with the white hat the only character with a white hat who's is, actually a black hat yeah who's really like the worm tongue of the mm -hmm. crew and sells out the gang and but just the way they do that mission you're like having to climb up the snowy mountain and it's really like back where the whole game began and it's so cinematic it's a mission like you never may get to or never may see if you don't have the patience for it. But it just completes the narrative and is just, I when I've replayed the game, I try to stave off certain missions as long as I can because I do not want the main character. I don't want to say goodbye to the main character. That's all mm -hmm. I'll say. And so there's like, no, I'm not going to. So I, I will go around the open world for like 30 hours because I'm like, I don't want to say goodbye to Arthur Morgan. And then uh, the final question here in the personal interview section what are you passionate about and why? I am passionate about um, taking down Micah. <laughs> Aren't we vengeance, all? Vengeance for my gang. Um, <laughs> I am passionate about human formation, about the whole person. I think I was a sophomore in high school when I heard this concept, Renaissance man. 
And the idea that you weren't, you didn't have to be just pigeonholed as like athlete or nerd. Like Renaissance man was like, you could be an athlete and a poet and you could love literature and, and still be like a mountain climber. And it was like a yes to everything. And I was really growing in love with my faith around the same time as a Catholic Christian. It's just like a radical yes, like a yes to living life. And so all the dimensions of being human, like my bookshelf is such, is very eclectic with theology and philosophy, but also nutrition and literature and like guitar playing for dummies and the selection of like video game books. And so just the whole person, like integrating the whole person that we're not this like competing parts if that makes sense, it's like, it's not my head versus my heart. It's not my body versus my soul. It's like, no, no, let, let's bring the whole thing together in the wonderful mess of what it means to be a human person. And so I've been blessed with some great mentors and people who've walked with me and gotten me to a place where I more or less have my head straight. And so I love working with young adults and college students and, and people that are just hungry for a, a, a life fully lived. So that that's what I'm passionate about. Awesome. Well, we've uh, now had such a wonderful opportunity to learn more about my guests that I think it's time to head into a segment that I like to call NPC Creation. NPC Creation is brought to you by you, the podcast audience, and our patrons from Patreon. Now is the time in the show where we give a shout out to our comfortable patrons at above with a loud hurrah. So to you, Katie Downey, and my parents, we say cheers. This is for patrons who donate $2 or more a month. These three are among my highest tier wealthy level patrons. So that means they get to add an element of chance to our random tables in NPC creation, which we might get to use here today. If you want to join the cheapest podcast Patreon community out there, check the show notes below, go to my podcast website, or just go on directly to patreon.com forward slash sidekicks and sidequests to find out more about our three tiers, one to $4 a month. Help us expand our operations at the Levitating Platter in this demi-plane and worlds beyond. Yeah, this part of the show is called NPC Creation, where obviously we make up an NPC. So today, are we going to be rolling the dice randomly to generate a character? Do you have an idea of a character that you'd like to bring to the table, a combo of both, or what are we doing? I want this to be as original and chaotic as possible. So... Take me by the hand, Kurt, and let's just roll and see where the story Le- goes. Lead you into Dungeons and Dragons and then I'll set you free to go and explore. Abandon all hope ye who enter here. All right. Well, the first question that we like to ask here on the NPC making segment is what is the name of our character? And we determine this by rolling a 20-sided dice, a d20. I got a 19. 19. Okay. Your answer was provided by previous guest Mike Bradford, Ashamel, A-S-H-A-M-E-L. The next question we have to answer is, what is the ancestry of our character? We determine this by rolling a D100 or two D10s. So two tens? Yeah, like two ten-sided dice, exactly. So there's a two and a five. And a five, okay. Your answer is Hadazi. These are the uh, winged monkey ape-like humanoids that exist in the Spelljammer setting. They're chimpanzees, but it's also like they've got like a sugar glider sort of an influence. So, but they come from Spelljammer. 
So kind of like this weird period in the 80s where it was like sci-fi meets fantasy. But yeah, had disease. Spelljammer, for those of you in the know or not in the know, it has been re-released for the fifth edition of the game. So there's like a whole series of books that have just come out on Spelljammer. So had is one of the new reintroduced now for fifth edition. So they're like these chimpanzee sugar glider combo humanoids, I would say. So Ashamel the Hadazee, okay. I'm looking up some fun Google images of these creatures. Yeah. First impressions, how do they strike you? Well, they're, yeah, they're pretty epic. The way they're kind of drawn. And then you get, yeah, stuff that's straight out of the late 70s, early 80s. Wonderful labyrinth, Muppet-esque stuff going on. Obviously, Ashamel has to have a job or role in society. And we roll just a singular D10 to figure out what is Ashamel's job. I got a six. Six. Aha. Your answer was provided by previous guests, Claire Sullivan and Michaeli Love of the And Dragons cast. Mirror shop owner. So Ashamel is an owner of a mirror emporium of some sorts, it seems. And then the next thing we roll for before we get to take a break from dice rolling and just do spitballing, what is the age range of our character? We determine that by rolling an eight-sided dice. A three. Young adult. So Ashamel, the young adult mirror shop owner. And so now, with all of this information in mind and your Google images of what a Hadozi looks like, when you are picturing Ashamel, what is the physical description you're coming up with? I'm seeing a five foot three, five foot four kind of guy who's a little rough around the edges, doesn't necessarily want to be running the shop, but this is what his family has been doing. So he's a little biting at, uh, chomping at the bit to get out and see the world, but he's having to run the mirror shop. The stated lore is that, oh, how does these come from, you know, the world of Spelljammer? So like, you know, the Astral Sea and, you know, space, fantasy space and stuff. Is that where you're imagining Ashmel lives or do we imagine him on like fantasy land, prime material earth or something like that? I'm a bit of a blank slate in terms of knowing what to expect. Anyone can plug and play Ashmel wherever they want. I was just curious if you had a preference one way or the other. I just think he wants to get out into the unknown. So whatever is expected of Hadazi, he wants to go the other way. So it could be either way. So maybe Hadazi living in the mundane world and is like, Ah, but my ancestors came from the wild, wild space, and I want to go explore that. Or I live in fantasy outer space, and I want to know what the real world is like. Let me go there. So, okay, that's kind of interesting. Anything else as far as, you know, any distinctive uh, other features? I don't know, like interesting tattoos or hairstyles or jewelry accessory bits and baubles or anything? So there's a picture that, that's kind of catching my, my eye, and it's like, it's kind of Aladdin esque in like the pants style and then and the the chest gear hair that's yeah aladdin-esque i'm thinking like cartoon aladdin not mm. reboot with will smith which i have watched over and over again with my kids and i enjoy it <laughs> more than i admit uh, i would ever admit publicly as i'm admitting on a public podcast yeah kind of that arabian nights-esque apparel so tattoos i don't know he's got some sweet armor on though so again, so, he's got like armor that's been passed on to him, but he has never had a chance to use it. So he's a little... Oh, interesting. Frustrated. So maybe like a family member in the past who got all this money in order to open up the shop and he's like, oh, I found the sweet armor. I'm going to wear it and be an adventurer one day. And mom and pops are like, yeah, we need you behind the counter kind of a thing. Right. Like grandpa had great adventures, mm. but 
I haven't had mine yet. Oh, okay. Interesting. Okay. And if you had to describe Ashamel with three adjectives, what three adjectives would you use? I would say impatient, bold, and I want to say like not authentic, but earnest. Let's say earnest. Hmm. Impatient, bold, and yet earnest. Like he's he's tapping into the right desires, but like any young man or young hadazi chimp can be imprudent in how we pursue it. So now the mirror shop, is it just straight mirrors? Like, are they just kind of boring mirrors? Or is it like one of these mirrors could actually be something more? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, this is where we can like freeform invent things. We'll do some more dice rolling and stuff like that too, obviously. But yeah, when you're envisioning this mirror shop, I mean, if he's the owner, like, is he truly the owner? Is he the face of it? Like, are his mom and pop still around? His grandpa? It sounds like his grandpa's maybe passed on. If the grandpa was the past adventurer, now he's stuck running the shop. Or what are you imagining the backstory? I'm imagining the parents own the store proper, but it's the keys will be handed to Ashamel soon enough. Mm. But he doesn't want to settle down just yet. He's He hasn't seen the world yet or the world's. But I could see, and this is where you, you can stop me if I'm jumping ahead oh, too nice. far, that one of the mirrors is actually a portal. Ooh, and okay. And Ashmel, in his, in his boredom, as he's like cleaning the shop one day, discovers one of the mirrors is more than what it seems. Of course, we like our NPCs to have something cool on them. So what is a valuable item, piece of lore, a secret, or some ideal or concept that Ashamel would ascribe to? We generate this randomly by first rolling a four-sided dice, to determine the category. Four. Okay, so an ideal or concept, and now you roll a six-sided dice to determine what's the intangible thing that Ashamel cares about. One. One. Okay, interesting. So another response from our previous guest, Mike Bradford, purity. So in relation to everything we've already kind of discussed and discovered, how does purity factor into his wanting to be an explorer and finding a mirror and all this sort of kind of stuff. I mean, I would, I would just roll with that of the, the earnestness, like there is pure intentions Mm -hmm. behind. It's not just, I want to abandon the shop. It's not, I'm saying I don't value or respect my parents or my lineage that's brought us to this point, but there's a clarity of, I need to go and do this. I need to go figure this out wherever the, uh, the adventure takes me. And that could be shut down by parents or or those that are saying know your place know your role but he knows his heart is pure he's not trying to just abandon his responsibilities so he knows his heart is pure is he a lot like his grandfather before him is that where the say purity yes. comes from would, and then I like his parents yes. are the more realistic like no you need to stay in the shop this is where our life is kind of a thing yeah so to draw on another movie that i've had to watch over and over again but i actually i enjoy it is moana with my kids and there is that sense of like yeah like the older ancestors had the adventures and the fun and uh but the parents are like no we stay here we stay safe we've been given this so again ashmel has not learned to have patience and mercy on his parents to see where they're coming from he just feels trapped and feels like he he needs to go see this through but he he doesn't even know what it is it's that restlessness and does the mirror inspire this 
you were talking about like, oh, he found this mirror that's maybe more than it seems. Was this like one of the first pieces that his grandfather found in his adventures and brought back and was like, yeah, I'll start a mirror shop or this mirror produces other mirrors or I'm just curious, how do you get into the mirror shop business kind of a thing? Because obviously it's important like spell casting components or other things like that. You know, I'm sure wizards and other sorts are like, oh yeah, I need a sweet mirror for my lair or whatever. Well, yeah, there's mirrors. There's mirrors for like defense, let's mm-hmm. say. But then there's one that his grandfather never really told the family about. And that was perhaps maybe the first one, mm. which was more than just a simple mirror. That so he like a doorway hoped. to another world? Right, exactly. That he hoped maybe his grandson would find. He knew mom and pops were like not all about that. It's like when C.S. Lewis writes or dedicates Narnia to his niece. I believe it's his niece. It says, you'll appreciate this when you're old enough for fairy tales again. You'll appreciate this when the time is right, when you're old enough and you're able to see it. Well, in our discussions, we're already learning so much about the character that the lead into this question uh, could go one of two ways as far as like, we need to figure out what's going to be a particular quest that Ashamel is going to be willing to recruit or hire player characters to go and do on his behalf if we're going to deploy Ashamel in the game. You can still randomly generate a side quest if you want to roll the last dice, which is a D12, or based on what we have already discussed, is they're already percolating an idea of what you think uh, an appropriate side quest would be. What do you think as Game Master? I mean, it's it's your character we're making, so if you want to do like a combo of both, maybe roll a D12 and kind of see how that steers into what we've already discussed. Let's roll and then see... If your idea is better than what the table came up with. Yeah, yeah. So I rolled a two. Two. Okay. This response provided by previous guest Kia Young, rob from the rich to give to the poor. Does that feed into this purity, this earnestness spirit of adventuring and going out there and juxtaposing with the mirror shop? Uh, Yeah, we could could totally roll with it. Okay. Yeah. So how, how does this side quest factor into robbing from the rich to give to the poor? Hopefully it's not his own family business. He's not asking the player characters to rob him. So, oh, we don't have any money. The shop isn't viable. I have to go be an adventurer now. Right. So here's where I'm going to need you to fill in gaps as we go, Kurt. Sure. And so let's say he discovers that, yeah, the, one of these mirrors is more than what it seems. Mm-hmm. And it essentially has like a through the looking glass Narnia moment where he goes in and again, has the sword always kind of on his belt. Just never think he actually ever get to use it. Goes through this mirror. And now, Kurt, where would he go? Great question. I mean, mirrors can often serve as portals to other dimensions, realms, planes of existence. Uh, right. So I don't know the rules of the game. Like where, what's inbound, what's inbound, what's out of bounds. I think with Journey Through the Radiant Citadel, you know, there's a city or a place that exists like between the realms. It's like a it's like an in-between city place that was introduced in the published Journey to the Radiant Citadel. I mean, there's the Feywilds probably, like the fairy realm. Feywild is probably another natural place to think of like, oh, a mirror, and where would I end up there? Or is it just some sort of like mirror dimension, like Doctor Strange, like, oh, it's the mirror dimension where it's like a mirror of ours, but like everything's reversed and nothing you do there has lasting consequences or where does your imagination take you? Let's do the fairyland. Okay, so the Feywild. Yeah. So, so he ends up he ends up there. Okay. So a mirror that takes him to the fairy realm, to the fae wild, because there are like arch fays, there's like lords and ladies 
uh, that have great power and stuff like that in the fairy realm. So there's even pockets of like cities and civilizations, maybe not on the grand scale that you would see um, in the mortal world. Because obviously in the Feywild, they want to try and live harmoniously in communion with nature and stuff like that. But is there some sort of draconian force, whether it's dark or it's That's just... what I was going to ask. Is there like a portion where he lands where there is this more kind of dark force that's taken over? Yeah. That's creating order but at the same time it's oppressive and mm-hmm. Ashmill lands and sees some kids let's stay with the kind of the aladdin theme where he sees some kids starving and just out of innocence and earnestness takes some of the food he sees from a shopkeeper and hands it to them and then okay. realizes very quickly there's forces around him that want him taken in and it's not just a slap on the wrist it, it's a it's a very militaristic area he's landed in so a, a very commanding draconian sort of arch fey commanding this area the dark forest the murkwood uh right. if you will um, yeah where it's clear like this is not normal mm-hmm. this is, something has gone wrong here okay and he, and so out of, out of an innocent act he finds himself now in the middle of these forces so and did Ashamel manage to escape this place and then find himself back in his shop and then like then when the player characters show up in his shop then he's like you won't believe this crazy story I have to tell you right and so he wants to like rob from the rich or he wants to like take down this tyrannical sort of society basically is what this has changed into is like we got to overthrow this thing that's going down in this place that's bad and we got to you know free him and stuff like that that's his purity his earnestness wanting to be a great adventurer and stuff Right. Yeah. Without being asked to, he's been thrown in the middle of a war and mm. has realized I can't do nothing now that I've seen I'm in some way responsible to help here. And so then if the player characters undertake this mission, what is going to be the reward for success? So so here again, I don't know what the Dungeons and Dragons currency is in terms of reward. We're we talking about like XP or we're we talking about yeah, it could be like, you know, oh, like you have the experience, you have the, you are forever in the debt of Ashamel, a monetary reward, a cool item, or a piece of uh, history or lore or something, you know, anything that you think would be reasonable for Ashamel to offer up. So if someone helps Ashamel. Yeah, exactly. They get a brand new chocobo. Oh, <laughs> they, uh, oh. <laughs> they, they'll get, they'll get a free mirror and they'll get the honor of helping this noble cause. Okay. Yeah, and I mean, sometimes that's all it takes. Yeah, okay, so a mirror. Is it like just a plain ordinary mirror or is it like a fancy special kind of a mirror? You don't know when you get it. Mm. So and the dungeon see... master gets to make up a table and roll on it and then like something happens with the mirror or something yep. randomly? Yep. Okay, cool. Random mirror and the experience that comes with helping. Okay, but what's going to be the consequence of failure? So the players fail, they refuse to help. What's going to be the consequence of that? If they refuse to help, then a potential loss in the war. And so you get nothing from the shop itself and the potential vengeance of the Hadazi on you later in the game. Okay, so Ashmel will remember the choice you've made. Yeah. Again, he's still like impressionable. And so Mm. if you write him, he will be loyal for life. But if you wrong him by refusing to help, he will turn dark and become vengeful. Like, again, he doesn't have the experience and maturity to realize your refusing to help may not be malicious, 
that's what inspires him to eventually be like, okay, well, now I've made an enemy of this party. And so when I get level enough, I'm going to confront them for the, uh, the evil that they didn't help to stop or something like that. Right. And then, uh, and then Ashamel will become the, uh, the warrior of the multiverse, just going from dimension to dimension and stuff like that and become a reoccurring character in that way. In the second Bioshock game, it's depending on your actions, it mm-hmm. will turn because you're you're trying to rescue the little sister you've been paired with. So you're mm-hmm. trying to you're trying to rescue your daughter. And so mm-hmm. it's funny playing that game being a dad is very different. Like I really enjoy the second game a lot. I don't think it gets enough love, but playing it as a father with mm-hmm. a daughter, I think also hits it differently. But the the decisions you make in the game, whether you choose to let certain characters who have wronged you live mm-hmm. or not, will change your daughter. And there's a few different endings depending on if you have shown mercy or if you've shown vengeance. And so she will actually become dark and vengeful if those are the the decisions you've made. So in the same way, yeah, I see this as like he's very impressionable. He's very again, he's very pure. But with that comes how you interact with him will affect who he becomes. All right. Well, I think we've done a wonderful job here in NPC creation, making a unique character that I think it's time we throw him into. A random encounter. This random encounter is brought to you by Reaper Miniatures. They have been Texas titans of the tabletop industry since 1994. They're right here in DFW and they have an amazing warehouse and game store. They make everything from paints to gaming accessories and they stream on Twitch and YouTube with tutorials and interviews. Whatever system you're running, whatever game you're playing, Reaper has a mini for you. Every time you shop with them and spend $40 on your purchase, they're going to give you a cool new mini of the month, and it's always something new each month, so all the more incentive to shop. As you know, the Kickstarter for the Reaper's Bone 6 Tales from the Green Griffin has already uh, wrapped up, but if you still want to jump on that cool bandwagon, be sure to go to the Kickstarter for details, sign up through Backer Kit, and then you too can get a whole metric ton of minis delivered to your door. If you want to support the people of Ukraine through UNICEF, go to the Relief Mini that Reaper Miniatures developed. That's a Nightingale Kenku Bard based on the National Bird of Ukraine. It costs $9.99 and of that $7.50 gets allocated towards relief efforts in Ukraine. If you visit my website or go in the show notes below, you can use my referral code link when you shop to help support Sidekicks and SideQuest and get some savings. By clicking that link on my website, it helps to track the traffic that our show directs towards Reaper Miniatures. The more traffic, the more that our Texas powers combine. So again, go check the link out on the website in order to use my special referral code and be sure to follow Reaper Miniatures on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, and YouTube. Bum, 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 bum. All right, so as we said... This is the random encounter section. So now we get to do a little bit of a vignette, some role play, a bit of storytelling with Ashamel. So obviously Bobby has done an excellent job in crafting the lore behind Ashamel. But the question becomes, who should I be in the scene? Am I going to be uh, one of my podcast adventurer characters come to the shop uh, to get the quest? Am I the mom and pop uh, that are confronting Ashamel and telling him like you know oh no you can't go out and adventure you have to stay here and mind the shop or is it like um, I don't know it could be even something as like grandfatherly uh, how does he telling like a very very young Ashamel about this mirror or like alluding to it in the future or something like that so what are you thinking what are what kind of scene are you interested in showcasing Ashamel often 
they're all good. I want you to roll with whatever you want to, you, you think there's going to be the most interesting conflict. Hmm. Okay. Well, I mean, if you want uh, to figure out maybe who Ashley by conflict, would... I mean drama, sure. not necessarily drama conflict. Yes, the stuff of blood and guts conflict. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, here's the list of podcast characters we have: uh, Duncan, the recklessly brave adventurer for hire, happy-go-lucky. We have Sonia, the warrior woman, barbarian who multiclassed into paladin, serving a god of redeeming the undead. We have Korak, the lawful evil arcane trickster roguish dwarf we have chrisley the shy herbalist botanist wood elf druid who then became a cleric of uh, the living memory as well uh, and then the newest one we have is orion who is an astral sea elf who's an illusionist wizard and those are the five characters that have been made but if you if none of those are good and you want a brand new one we can just make up a brand new one too if you want no do the do the rogue dwarf Oh, Korak, the lawful evil dwarf. Okay. Where we last left our hero, question mark, we left Korak in a small town assisting a blacksmith, Sahara the blacksmith, acquire some ingredients, uh, some salt, in order to make a ghost blade weapon, a weapon that was good against the undead. Of course, fleeing from his uh, involvement in the downfall of a certain kingdom, he has traveled definitely far, far and wide away from that trying to leave that all behind him and seemingly has found himself in a new land whether it's the material plane or maybe he found his way into the world of Spelljammer and wild space who knows but suffice it to say we find ourselves in a town and uh maybe korak was doing some light thieving a little five finger discount the heat is starting to get on him and so he ducked into the first inconspicuous shop that he could find the bell jingles as the door open and deftly quietly this dwarf slips into a shop thinking like, oh, maybe it's like junks and drunk and trinket or, you know, other nondescript items. But he looks around and he's just perplexed at seeing like the sheer variety of mirrors that are inside this place. And so he stops and looks around and it's almost like a maybe like a carnival funhouse. Like he's looking around and he's seeing himself and all these different angles, perhaps different distortions, depending on the mirrors themselves. But yeah, what 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 does the mirror shop look like when Cork is on the inside of it? Like you said, it's a bit of a carnival of sorts, but there's a discernible shop element to it. But it's strangely beautiful, and yet also disorienting. Korak rolls a constitution saving throw, and uh, despite dwarves having these uh, iron stomachs against poisons, perhaps, maybe not against vertigo and motion sickness and all that sort of kind of stuff. And uh, so he starts to make a little queasy sounds, like audibly queasy, so thereby breaking the illusion of any stealth he may have had with remaining in the shop, um, that it's loud enough that uh, Ashamel is able to hear it as a, you know, and obviously Ashamel would know all the proper angles to look to be able to see anywhere within the store. Right, so Ashamel is, he is shaken from his encounter in the... um is through the through the looking glass and is looking for someone to go back with him to assist and to help and so he's willing to take this strange looking intruder who seems again shady seems like he's not there to buy a mirror ashmel's literally come back through the mirror just now i'd say it's been a few days but no oh. one no he, he hasn't told anyone because he doesn't think anyone will believe him and he mm. also thinks he also knows it's real and he has to do something, but he can't do it alone. 
yeah, shady looking character seems enough of a warrior type. He may actually be useful. How does uh, Ashamel get his attention? Because right now he's just kind of like holding his stomach, holding his head as he's he's like trying to close his eyes and get his bearings because looking in the mirrors right now is kind of disorienting for him. I mean, I'd see Ashamel. He's, he's been there the whole time just watching him. And so he coughs just so it's, his presence is known. Oh, okay. And then uh, Quark will be like, oh, 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 mm, mm. And he like hits his gut a few times for emphasis. And then he's like, shakes his head and he looks around and then he looks over to the counter and then he could see Ashamel. And uh, does Ashamel appear any different than how he was previously described? No, but there's a bit more exhaustion in his face and a bit more awareness that the world is bigger than he thought and he's seen it. And so there's not, he's still youthful, but he's a little more serious. Ah, uh, uh, Hello. So Korak is trying to play it off as like maybe he meant to come in here, like trying to get over the obvious embarrassment of sickness or whatever. And so he'll stroll up to the counter and be like, yes, I'm uh, I'm here to like look around. And he's like a mirror. And he's you see he's looking over his shoulder like he's trying to perhaps peek out one of the front windows to see if uh, any nearby town's guards or something are like desperately like searching around the street and stuff like that for him. So he's, he's trying to play it cool as if like, Oh yeah, I've been a customer here the entire time. Right. Uh, yeah. Can you tell me he's, he's like trying to make small talk of like, Oh yeah. Can you tell me about this mirror here? Ashmel is wise enough to know he's not here for a mirror, but he says it anyway. Are you looking to buy a mirror? Uh, and uh, yeah, he he rolls a deception check and he rolls very obviously low. It's trying to be like, yeah, he but he probably says a little more bluntly, trying to border on like threatening as like, you better not give me up to the, the authorities or else kind of a thing that obviously is like, yes, you obviously know that he is not here to buy a mirror. So is Ashmel, like him sizing him up, does he have any weaponry on him? Oh, yeah, yeah. When you look at Korak, I mean, he's dressed like a roguish type. So he's like he's trying to obscure most of his uh, appearance and stuff like that. But I mean, you do see like scars on his face. You see like, you know, a pretty hefty beard. But you do see that there does seem to be a quite a new longer blade um, sticking out. Like he, he almost seems like he's still trying to adjust like his robes or his armor and stuff like that to get used to it. He's got the jingle jangle of coinage and armor and weaponry and uh, all sorts of other stuff about his person that would definitely telegraph that, yes, this person is a rat catcher, a uh, mercenary uh, adventurer for hire kind of a person. And a, probably is a sticky fingers thieving type uh, by the obvious appearance of him. So I would say Ashmel would just quickly cut to the chase and say, if you're willing to, uh, if you're a fighter and you're willing to have a fight with me, not against me, but like if you're willing to throw down, I can get you out of here. Korak kind of perks up a little bit of that. And you can see, depending on where they are, maybe he shifts a little bit and you can see some like very valuable stuff that Ashamel would know would be very important for this particular area um, that kind of clatters to the floor. And so Korak quickly like goes down to scoop it back up. Like clearly like, oh, this is like the nobles, like prized, whatever. Like he went to their house and like stole this very obvious thing that he shouldn't have stolen. Just kind of like, uh, uh, you say you can get me out of here. Okay. Yeah. That, okay. That's good. Yeah. You got a, like a back door or something like that. That'll, uh, you know, a, a, a safe room or something like that. Yeah. Kind of. And this is where, again, a, a greener Ashramel would say, 
would maybe have turned him over very quickly. But now he sees there's a battle that needs to be fought and he's got someone willing to like and use this guy's skills for good, hopefully. But I'm not going to tell him where we're going, obviously. And so he brings him back to the corner of the shop and then there's the mirror. What does this mirror look like? It's about floor length and in a circular shape, whereas a lot of the other ones are pretty rectangular or really ornate. This one is just pretty plain, but it's the large oval that goes all the way to the floor and it's mm. been pretty dusty because it's just been hiding back there with a sheet over it. But you can tell like it's something's weird about this one. So there's no back door. There's no window. There's just mm. a mirror. Okay. And then Korak will just kind of be like, what are you getting at? Like kind of, and you see him like starting to reach for like maybe some daggers like maybe even very quickly, just to show you like his impressiveness, he very quickly whips out a dagger and maybe holds it menacingly. Like, what's the big idea of this? Are you trying to don't test me, boy? I've gutted men twice your size kind of a thing. Well, then I would say with his fast chimpanzee skills, Ashmel takes the dagger and throws it at the mirror. But it goes into the mirror. Is it kind of like the Stargate thing where it's like the water ripply thing? Yeah, there's like a liquid, yeah, Stargate thing that happens. Okay. And then so very quickly, then it's like, oh, wait, hold on. Koi's like, you want to get out of here? This is where we're going. Okay. So Korak kind of looks like a little peeved that perhaps maybe one of his precious weapons was so easily uh, outmaneuvered from his hand and seemingly thrown to somewhere that he doesn't know where it is. And he's like, you're lucky that I need to get out of town fast or else I wouldn't have let that slid so easily, he tries to say as uh, convincingly as he can. He may be lawful evil, but that doesn't mean that he's necessarily highly intelligent as it were there's authorities banging on the the front door of the shop oh oh yeah so then he'll look over his shoulder and be like you better not be leading me to my death well he said there's only one way to find out and he at this point i'd say he kicks him right into the mirror (laughs) okay all right yeah i'll say like uh following following right after oh yeah i was gonna say in this instance probably because the banging of the door distracted him and you probably got the jump on him in this one instance where normally he'd be super dexterous uh, to avoid this, but uh, out of nowhere, Ashmel just kicks him and bleh, he just like disappears through the mirror. We'll see where Korak ends up next time as uh, Ashmel jumps in after him. And scene. So there and we go. Scene. Yeah, we did a random encounter with Ashmel. So what did you think? That was fun. Yeah. So of the Dungeons and Dragons scenes, I know we've had several guests on this podcast who have never had the opportunity or have never played, have no idea what it is, but in having this opportunity to kind of get to experience D&D on the small scale, how do you think it is? Has yeah, it wet your appetite? It has. And I think it really depends on the crew that you play with. Because I, I listened to the episode with Jonathan Blevins and mm-hmm. yeah, I could see the troll types that just want to like RPG everyone. And <laughs> it's like, but if you play with, the same with like, again, playing with uh, the right guys for we're, we're getting into risk and we know it's going to be seven hours. It's like those who are willing to engage, use the imagination. It can be a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, if you need help finding a group, I mean, I'm sure loads of people would be uh, would willing to jump on the opportunity. And did you have an opportunity to listen to your good friend, Father Blake's episode as well? Oh, that, that character. He's, <laughs> he's, he's a hoot. All right. Well, yeah. So do the vibe check here in the final thoughts. And uh, of course, for the very end of the show, I always like to leave it for the guests. So if there's anything that you've got to plug, where can people find you online and follow you? 
um, any passions or causes or anything like that that we need to be made aware of, uh, go ahead, lay it out on us. Yeah, so I'm on Instagram, bobby.angel. And then my wife and I have a traveling speaking ministry at jackieandbobby.com where we've done YouTube videos for a number of years now with Ascension Press. We've started our own long form podcast where we interview all sorts of interesting people we've met along the way of life, therapists, doctors, nutritionists, priests, sisters, exorcists. We've met many people who are causes for miracles, like people who've been healed, people who have died and have come back to life and we get them to tell their stories. And so, you know, I love Tolkien and so much of like that understanding of like, listen, like and this is what video game designers understand so well too. our episode of I was co-host with Father Blake Britton for the God and Gaming series we did on YouTube. And Dr. Castronova talked about like video game designers and, and a lot of like this game stuff. It understands like there's more to the world than just atoms colliding than just the material ho-hum of a nine to five like we're meant for adventure we're meant for a spiritual realm and like we at some will cry out for that and games understand that and so i would as a catholic i would affirm that like god exists and he sees you and he knows you and he loves you and wants all of you you know your your intellect your skills your athleticism your music talent your love of D&D, your love of video games, like it's a radical yes to go all in to a life with Christ. Um, St. Irenaeus said that the glory of God is man fully alive. So to be fully alive is so needed in a world where there's so many people just sleepwalking through life, so many people that feel like they have no purpose or meaning. I say again, God sees you and loves you and wants you to be a man or woman fully alive. So, Kurt, thank you so much for having me on and for what you're doing here in your little corner of the internet. We're all just trying to make the world a little bit better, one podcast at a time. Yeah. So I, I thank you so much uh, for being a guest and uh, can't wait to have you back on making some more NPCs for the world. I've gotten pretty attached to Ashamel, so we'll, we'll see about that. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sidekicks and SideQuests. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast through Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Overcast. Or feel free to save the RSS feed to use the app of your choice. Visit our website, SidekicksAndSideQuest.com, for links, write-ups of the NPCs, and to learn more about the show and the guests who have been on it. To stay up to date and interact via social media, you can follow the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Reddit by searching for SideKQ Podcast. I would love to talk D&D and showcase your fan art, stories of how you used our NPCs, discussions, and commentary. If you would like to hail the bod, simply send an email to sidekicksandsidequests at gmail.com. To help this show be the resource it's meant to be, I ask that you please leave a review on iTunes to help spread the word and share our podcast with your friends and family. Whether you're a veteran player or an aspiring dungeon master, or you've never played Dungeons and Dragons before, there's something here for everyone, and I want to hear about it. And finally, after two years, I've decided to open a Patreon for Sidekicks and SideQuests. If you love this podcast and you want to help us grow and expand our operations, I would appreciate it if you would go on over to patreon.com forward slash sidekicks and sidequests. No matter your lifestyle expenses, we have wonderful rewards at every level of Patreon membership tier. Your name on the wall of the levitating platter, a loud hurrah on the podcast, or 
the possibility to introduce an element of chance to NPC creation. Psychics and Psychos is unofficial fan content permitted under the fan content policy, meaning I'm not approved or endorsed by Wizards. Portions of the materials used are property Wizards of the Coast, copyright Wizards of the Coast, LLC. Thank you for your support, and I'll see you at the pub next time. Bar to rock on one, two, one, two, three, four!